Oh. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I was talking to him backstage. So understand that when the curtain opened, he walked out like a normal person would. <laughs> but right before, and even partially during Hustling, which you would think was an invigorating track, um, he was seated on the drum riser um, because occasionally he feels strange pressures in his abdomen. I'm like a cyborg now. They put like a carbon fiber mesh yeah, it's all like, in just to hold my guts in. No, but you need a situation, right, where it's like... You should I'm basically be able to Genji. But you should be able to choose the material. Like, yeah. it's, I mean, this is, it's 2017, right? Like, you should be able to choose the material. It's like, I would like the Kevlar. Um, optimally, there's going to be a, a USB-C port in the belly button. Just bam. <clears throat> God, that would be so convenient if I could just charge <laughs> right off my innards. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, uh, let's go ahead and get to it. So he is going to draw for your entertainment. Um, we, I used to type the script out, but we'd already written the script, so it was a weird ritual. Um, he has it all there, and it seems like it's kind of fun to like, watch the art and try to guess what the fuck is going on. That's the metagame, I guess, of the panel. And then at the end, uh, he will apply rich text like a gravy um, over his half-finished work. Um, <laughs> listen, yeah, listen, I know there's two teams out there. I got to preach to my people. So um, what, <clears throat> what do each of you believe the other is wrong about? What I would say to, <laughs> this is from Steven in Florida, who wants this to be the shortest panel ever. Um, Thank you for coming to the last PAX. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, honestly, we should brand it if we're gonna do it like that. We should try to survive this PAX, and then we'll have like, PAX Ultimate. And there'll be like a steel cage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that um, other people are occasionally useful. No, you're wrong. <laughs> there's, there's no reason to ever interact with other people. Right? I, I, think, that, I think that we've gotten right to it. Uh, I, think that, I think that Let It Die is not a good game, man. Yeah. I see you playing it every night. You should be playing Overwatch with me. Play it alone. You could be playing with your friends. It's me and all of my great ideas on the couch playing the game. Uh, yes, alone. Maybe you're right. Um, come out of there. Um, what is an act? See, all these motherfuckers just want us to kill each other now. Um, <clears throat> what is an activity that you love to do? Uh, that your counterpart hates doing. Well, I hate drawing, and I assume that you hate writing. Is that... I don't, I don't mind writing. I... <laughs> it's just not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Uh, you don't like to golf. I like to be there when you golf. Isn't that enough? <laughs> it's really not. It's really no, not the same I, as Michael, doing my, a sport. My preference is to be golf adjacent. You know what I mean? Like, there's, here's golf, right? And I like to be sort of 
like close, but like not like this would be golf. And I'm like right here, right next to it. A lot of people, I, I suspect that there's a lot of like crazed billionaires that write these questions in about fantasies they would like to make real um, that have to do with our staff for some reason. Who among the entire PA staff would survive the longest if stranded on an uninhabited island? Um, and who would be the first to find a safe way off? The reality, right, is like, I think that if we all ganged up on Dave and Dave, just the volume of meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're so tall? Well, there's just a lot of man there. Yeah, but that's going to be so stringy and tough. You, <laughs> you need somebody like Jeff. He seems like he'd be juicy. <laughs> we should just start massaging him every day. <laughs> just come in. Jeff, you seem... You seem so tense. <laughs> you seem... Rubbing brown sugar into his skin. <laughs> Like a pork, like a pork chop. Yeah. And it's like, you come in like every, you turn the heat up in his office, and then you come in every hour or so to spritz him with apple juice. Yeah. He's just sweating. Gosh, it's hot in here. <laughs> it's so hot. Jeff, you seem delicious. I mean, tense. Um, as far as who would find a safe way off, um, I don't know. I, we have a, a new engineer. Uh, at Penny Arcade named Mike Buland, who I think is, might be as smart as the rest of the office put together. Um, I, don't, I don't know what his plans are for my company, but I can just hope that uh, my, my objectives are occasionally uh, made real. Um, how often do you guys play board games? What are your favorite board games? I play board games whenever I can. Um, oh, just as a, as a point um, of information, did everybody hear about PAX Unplugged in Philly? Okay, I just wanna make sure. Week before Thanksgiving, mark your calendars. Um, because we're gonna do this there. Um, so yeah, we, we try to play them as much as possible. And this is actually something, so what happens is that eventually you get, eventually your children become old enough to actually do useful things with. It takes a while, they have to molt obviously. Um, they have to shed that sort of spiky initial coating. Um, and they're moist within. Uh, this guy. I think our kids might be different. <laughs> so no mandibles? It's like no. they don't glisten? Mm -mm. All right. Um, but you and, you and Gabe, I was going to say, Mike, my, my tabletop game of choice right now, like the one that I like best, is probably Star Wars Destiny. Yeah. <clears throat> right? But it seems mean to say because if you're saying woo, then you know how hard it is to find it. It's, it's, like, it's like prospecting for gold. What's that? All right. He's trying to make <laughs> trades. Actually, if anybody has another Darth Vader die, I need one more. Oh, here, so, so let, me, let me explain what's going on here. So <clears throat> Star Wars Destiny is a really, really cool game. Fantasy Flight makes like a billion Star Wars games. And then a new one came out, and I was like, maybe it's okay to skip this one. Maybe it's fine if I just buy the other 800. Um, but I was totally wrong. Uh, this, this is really, really clever. Um, I had a demo of it at PAX West last year, before the game had come out, and I 
tried to buy the demo kit, and I'm not proud. Like, I tried to buy the demo kit, and he said no, and then I, I, I said that, I said that it was my convention. <laughs> no, this is not, this is not a tack I often <laughs> It's pretty rare that you're like, do you know who I am? Right? So it's like, Mike will say who he is first, and then say what you're obligated to give him. I right? like free shit. Yeah. No, listen, I, and, I, and, I, and I have benefited greatly from this policy. Yeah. Um, but I tried it at the end, and I think that I lost, it got weaker, because I was like, but I'm special, eh. Yeah. Right before we came down here, I was at Zulu's, which is a, a board game shop by us. It's one of these like board game restaurant places. Yeah, Zulu's, great. Um, and they had up by the cash register a little box of tins that said Dice of Crowns. Um, and I was like, Dice of Crowns? It's right here by the register. Impulse buy. So I bought it. Well, it's like it, Mentos, right? Yeah, I put it in my suitcase and then I read the instructions on the flight. And last night I was walking to the Thornwatch playtest through Tabletop and this guy's like, Gabe, come over here. And I turn around and there's this guy sitting in front of a big sign that says Dice of Crowns. And I go, did you make this game? And he's like, yeah. I just bought your game a couple days ago, man. It was like a high five? Like yeah, so I got to sit there and play it with the guy who designed it. It was what's, super cool. What's the deal? Uh, it's, it's a dice game, sort of like a push-your-luck thing. The idea is that you're rolling this big handful of dice trying to get uh, the tokens you need to earn the crown while avoiding being backstabbed by traitors. Um, you are sending uh, certain dice to other players that can help or hurt Oh, them. Like, weird. It's just this oh, big okay, dice game. Typically, those dice cup games don't really have interaction between players. No, right? one, of the, one of the sides that can come up is a message that you send to other players, and then they roll the die, and depending on what it is, it can either come back to you and help you, or it can stay in their pool and help them. Fuck yes. It's really cool. And then the next game he's working on is just called Dice of Pirates. Done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he, he found his thing. Yeah. Um, but, so the reason that Star Wars Destiny is cool is, I mean, if you like deck building, there's going to be something here for you. But the way that you generate resources isn't by tapping mana. It's by rolling dice that are associated with certain cards. So once you've drawn a card from your deck, if there's a dice associated with it, that came with it in the pack. So the packs for Star Wars Destiny are like a regular pack at the top, and then, as you know, Dave, they get plump down at the base. They got something special down there. That's the dice. And you roll those to generate resources, but unlike, unlike a regular CCG-type game, um, you can only do one thing on your turn. So typically in a game, you're tapping a bunch of mana, and you're making a bunch of assholes, and then you're doing some shit, and then like maybe it'll go to the other person, and then they'll do a bunch of shit. In this... Just the act of tapping mana, just generating a resource, is your whole turn. So then when it goes to your opponent, they can be like, well, I have a bunch of shit that I want to do, but he just tapped like five fucking mana. Like, do, do I have to manage that? Or do I have to, or do I try to put my own stuff into play? It's just, it's way, way better than it has any right to be. <clears throat> uh, what is something you would like to do next with PAX uh, being such a huge cluster-fucking uh, success of fun. Uh, this is from Sarah Landry in, in Boston. I'm glad that you enjoy it, Sarah. Uh, I have a pretty good time here, too. 
Um, we try to make more time these days to actually attend PAX, right? <laughs> Which is novel and exciting. Um, but I, I, I like to walk around. People always seem surprised when they see me on the show floor, but they should have known I'd be here. Yeah, I was in line at... <laughs> I feel like that's on them. I was in line at Starbucks this morning, and I got through the entire thing. I had my coffee, and this guy comes up. He's like, you had... Wait, 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 what? I was in, I was in line coffee? at... Coffee? I drink coffee at PAX because I, I have to wake up. What, what, what do you mean by coffee, first of all? It's a white chocolate peppermint mocha. <laughs> all right. Please, please continue. I didn't. Coffee does not taste good unless you fill it with chocolate and peppermint. Well, the best. And here's you what put I like. whipped cream on top. Here's, here's what I like is that there is coffee in there, trace amounts. Yeah. Right. You would need a spec. You would need like some kind of a mass spectrometer. What's funny is the shit that you bring into the office in the morning to me smells like vomit. It has like that bile. Coffee. Yeah. Is what he's, so he's bad. About but he's like. You had to wait in a line of your own making. I'm like, yeah, I, I, this is my own prison that I have designed. <laughs> but the best part is that you have the coffee, but then you've like flanked the coffee with peppermint and chocolate and milk. Like well, it's like it's you're ganging want, up on the coffee. What I want is to wake up and not taste coffee. <laughs> you have two objectives. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the, the next. To my mind, the next big thing we can do with PAX as a concept um, is unplugged. And so planning that show out, like, you know, what does a tabletop show that is, what does PAX as a tabletop show look like? Because it isn't exactly the same. Some of the things won't, some of the things I don't think will transfer. Um, but it's an opportunity, I think, to found a bunch of new traditions, um, like maybe making live role play um, a bigger part of the, entertainment experience, like a bigger part of the theater experience. Because um, that's blowing up. Uh, if you have looked at the internet, then you know. Um, but yeah, for me, I think trying to plan that show out and trying to make it hot is good stuff. Uh, this is a red envelope. Let's see what that means now. Sometimes it doesn't mean much. Tycho, uh, as it has been many a PAX, yeah, OK. Uh, it says, it's been many a PAX since we have heard your golden pipes on, the, on this match. Oh, there's actually, oh, this is amazing. This has never happened before. This is actually three separate cards. What? Is that even allowed? This, is, this contravenes the uh, Q&A panel accord founded in The Hague. Of 1893. Right. Um, Tycho. As it has been many a pack since we have heard your golden pipes on this magical rendition, a simple request of my Bellerwell seemed in order. Um, I suppose you will claim to not remember the lyrics. Yes, that's usually how I get around this. Oh, God, he included them. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, man, that's fantastic. You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, I suppose you will claim to not remember the lyrics. No worries. I have found them transcribed on YouTube for you. <laughs> okay, Jeremy in Columbus, Ohio. All right, this, this, is his, this is the desire of his heart. Will you endure it? Okay. God, that's usually how I do it. Hey, man, sorry, I wrote it a long time ago, okay? I don't even remember the words, okay? So this, no. This is a song that someone sings about their role-playing character? Yeah. Not the original? Well, no, it's actually, it's part of... 
Oh, God. This is going to make me seem mm -hmm. like who I am. Um, <laughs> which is something I try, you know, consistently to protect others from. Um, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like a dangerous substance. Um, so, yeah, it's a song about, it's a song a person, it's like a person falls in love with their MMO character. And then a bunch of strange things happen on the server as a direct result. It's a, it's a concept album, you know. That currently has one song, right? No, no, it has five songs. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I am uh, the person you feared I might be. You asshole. <laughs> All right. N not you. It's Jeremy in Columbus, Ohio. I'm going to put a PAX in Columbus, Ohio, Jeremy, just to abuse you. Um, let's see. Twas the twelving day of Everfair When fell my maid of raven hair Beneath her cloven standard of the ran Damn that roiling goblin horde We'd almost slain the overlord But I could never roll an elf again <laughs> The queen of bells and battle downs She wore the title like a crown And foes so deep a man would drown But she still stood alone a princess and a duchess both And sworn to nine prestigious oaths These duties they would take her To that twisted spire of stone <laughs> Against his tower silhouette Oh, oh sorry, that was awful. <clears throat> Against his tower silhouette she called out like a coronet And the green sea of his armies Burst from warrens far below The pacts he'd made with demon kind Had rent his thin and tattered mind And hellish princedoms occupied The arrow he let go they took her through the crowded square And laid her at the temple stair The sore-souled barb of Eriadere Beyond their healing arts There stands a circlet on her brow That turns the blades of men around But if Belruel could Hear me now, this song would pierce her heart It was the twelving day of Everfair When fell my maid of raven hair Beneath her cloven standard of the wren And damn that roiling goblin horde And, and damn their hell-bound overlord but I could never roll an elf again. I'm all fucked up now.
Um, hey, uh, to Muck, which I guess is Mike, and the Incredible Hulk, that's definitely me. Yeah. Um, have you considered making Twitch streaming a regular thing? Um, I'd love to watch Morlax play Destiny um, or spectate as Geraldo sucks at whatever he plays. <laughs> I like this character. Uh, this is from Craig in Pittsburgh, PA. Um, absolutely. Like, as it stands, I think we have, we have scheduled Twitch stuff basically four days a week right now. We could definitely add more. Like, on Mondays, Ryan and I play um, Hearthstone or other CCGs. Um, on Tuesdays, you've been actually drawing the strip. So if you enjoy the make a strip process, um, and there's some evidence for it um, by your, your presence, um, you can actually watch him do this any Tuesday if you want to. True. Um, that's, like a normal, that's a totally normal thing that we do from the office. On Wednesday, we fuck around on pretty much whatever we feel like doing. Uh, Friday is Millennial Falcon, uh, where Dave and Gavin are millennials. And um, <clears throat> the plans for Thursday are currently top-ass secret. But uh, it's coming up. It's definitely something to, to make a note of. But yeah, we think that Twitch is really fun. It's like being able to, it's basically like being able to transmit packs um, from the HQ. Um, Gabe and Tycho, it has been an honor following your careers in comics over the years, seeing how you've developed uh, and what you've been able to accomplish during all this time. Uh, which one of you is going to die first? <laughs> um, this is from Lou uh, in Penticton, BC, Canada. It, but I'm going to say it's Penticton because I feel like that definitely has a, a dramatic weight. Um, I, don't, I feel like, I don't know. I, I would have said me, because I ride, this, I ride this whole thing hard and put it away wet, um, <laughs> which I think is a horse term. Um, but your shit is coming out. Well, they put it back in, though. Well, yeah, yeah, but... I mean, it's yeah. not coming out right now. Well, no, listen, here's the deal, right? Is that... <laughs> It's, that, nah. it's, not, it's not coming out on the front because they got the mesh, but I bet it's going to find some other place. It's just going to squirt out my armpit or something? Well, no, the theory, and it will scream as it does so. Um, no, no, the theory that we had on the podcast I did with um, Chris Straub, who, as you know, is superior Mike. No, no, I've heard this term, yeah. Um, we, we suggested that there would be a situation where it would just burst out but then it would all come out at once and then go to another place and then you would just be reformed there. So it might work out for you. Who knows? Um, like I said, uh, it's probably, it's probably going to be me. I don't... Um, I, I lead a rich interior life. Um, and generally speaking, I try to forget that I have a body at all. So video games is a good hobby for me. Just borrow an electronic body. It's very cyberpunk. Um, which game, which video game or series tells your favorite story? Uh, why do you like it? Uh, Matthew in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia. Man, that's, that's tough because they made a lot of video games and they just keep making them. Um, it's pretty rare that I play a game for the story. It's rare that you do play a game for the story, but there have been times. Like, I think that Mass Effect got a hold of you. I think that you love that science fiction. I did, I did like the map. You like it if there's a planet and a spaceship and a moon. That's all I need, man. Uh, I also really liked Last of Us for the story. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's got that dad stuff. Yeah. Um, the story that... Uh, oh, we just finished Last Guardian. Last Guardian was the first game that my son Noah and I played through from start to finish. And I was nervous because I wasn't sure what they were going to do to this griffin dog at the end. He's a very impressionable young man. Um, but we finished it, and he turns to me and he goes, Daddy, if they ever make a Last Guardian 2, we gotta get it. <laughs> and I was it, like, they never will, son. <laughs> no, they will, but he will be an old man. Yeah. By the, by the time of its manufacture, he'll have to play it with an urn. Um, was that too much? <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. You'll die. Never mind. Right. No, I get it. Okay. I understood it. You'll be dead. I was right there with you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so, as, as far as like which one tells my favorite story, there are so many good ones. Um, if you have a chance, when you're on the show floor, will you stop by uh, the Annapurna Interactive booth in the exhibition hall and check out um, What Remains of Edith Finch? And try to get their incredible pin. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, it would be very hard to get their pin. Um, but this is a game, like, every screen I looked at, like, they had, like, five demo stations, and every screen that I looked at had, it looked like a completely different game. And I, I would, I, they're going hard there. I was talking to them about it uh, a little bit just because I was trying to figure it out. I was just trying to pick their brains. Um, and they just, they have really, really big plans for, just, not just the story, but how the story is told. Um, I really enjoyed uh, that dragon cancer to the extent that you can like enjoy it, right? Um, I mean, I'm a dad too. Um, I wrote a post about that game a long time ago where I said that like a box of tissues is a peripheral for that game. Like you have, <laughs> you have it and you need and use them at certain times. My, like in Donkey Konga, you have like the drums but in that dragon cancer, you need to have tissues constantly, and you need to push them onto your face um, to absorb the moisture. Um, th I found that really powerful. I really enjoyed talking to Ryan Green about that. Um, the one that goes back for me, the one that really, really endures, is Silent Hill 2, right? Yeah, which is awful. I mean, the, the story is really, really hard to watch. And the whole, the whole game, so now it's like with Last of Us, it's definitely happening, like there's definitely, there's games that are from that dad perspective and communicate specifically about that and what it's like. This is about a husband who is coming to terms with his wife's death and the entire game and everything they show you is this, is this metaphor for how he's interpreting it. Um, it's just, it's just awful. But, but to actually get down, to get all the way down to what that would be like to experience, you need the imagery and metaphors that it's putting in front of you. Um, so that's a game that I, I endured, but I think that that's my favorite story because it took a really, what I would say is an impossible topic and succeeded you know, beyond all rights. Um, what advice, well, this will be a good one for you, Mork. Um, what advice would you give to new Dungeons and Dragons tabletop players? Um, what advice would you give a new dungeon master or game master? This is from Avery Frenier in Concord, New Hamp. 
Uh, see, my, my advice for new players would be put your phone down <laughs> and pay attention to the table. Like, that's, that's why you're there. Um, for Dungeon Masters, I would say don't, don't feel that you are constrained by the rules that they give you in that book. That is where you start. Right? That's, that's just the foundation. Well, yeah. I mean, it's basically imagine it like a cookbook. Yeah. Right? It's like there's a lot of things that you can do with mushrooms that the book didn't say. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. The advice that I would give a, a new... Uh, you know, I would give the same advice, honestly. I would give the same advice to players and uh, game masters, which is that, you know... You're playing. We, this this is a perfect example. So we we, we did we did that um, the secret of Seventh Vale adventure. So we actually ran we wrote and ran an adventure together. But it was like a heist movie. So you know how in a heist movie there's always like the group that is like the front group that goes in, and then there's the group that goes and like gets in another way, and they do all this crazy shit. We did that in an adventure, but we each ran each of those parts, and then at certain points. Um, because they were working together, like, you know, like the hacker in a typical movie like that is doing something that enables something for the other team. So we would just communicate with each other, you know, with furtive glances, yes. quasi-romantic. You had a group upstairs that was doing sort of the RP section where the they party. Had to fit in with the party, and then I was running the group that was down in the basement of the mansion trying to steal the artifact. And if they made a bunch of noise down there, I would cue you... Like, hey, this happened down here. Let them, they have to deal with this now. Right. And at one point, it was a relatively, our friend Brad, who was a relatively new player, <clears throat> he was like, can I? And I was like, yes. Yes. We're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Uh, you do what you want and I will roll with it. It's my job to figure out how the universe is reacting to what you want. You aren't just like hanging around while I recite my stuff, as much as I would like that. <laughs> um, and certainly I have run adventures where this does happen, where I read long blocks of text to exhausted players. Um, I've been in that game. Right. But, but, but generally speaking... You know, it's, it's my job to make sure that we are... Playing Dungeons & Dragons or any role-playing game right means uh, doing what you want um, and then having the universe react. And um, that's what makes those games special. So if you're not playing it that way, I, I'm not entirely sure you're playing it. If you listen to that very first Acquisitions, Inc. podcast, you can hear me sort of discover that well, because you actually start out angry. That's the funny thing. I've gone back to try to listen to it, and I was like, ugh. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I was the one who had never played D&D. Well, yeah, you're like, why would I even do this? Yeah, and you had to start by doing, like, math. Already I was pissed. <laughs> i got to add up all these numbers? But then as the game progresses, and I sort of realize that I can, I can play however I want, and Chris is just going to respond to it. Yeah. It, it, and, but also, like, the way that you play Jim has been retained basically from the beginning. Like, one of the first things you did as Jim was create illusory sounds to attract monsters at the mouth of the dungeon. Yeah, I don't play Jim like you're supposed to play a wizard, I don't think. I don't take... I try to take no offensive spells. <laughs> but basically, he's like a toolkit. He is. 
right? He's like a box of tools. Well, he's, I like to think of him as like an entertainer. He's a, a magician. Yes. Right? Oh, that, that's right. With the doves, like that's actually the that's character. That's what he hook. is. He's not like a battle wizard. He is a magician who likes to go into towns, meet ladies. Right. You know, woo them with his dove tricks. Right. And then you haul him off into some fucking dungeon. Right. <laughs> um, you know that Acquisitions Incorporates happen at 2 o'clock today, what? right? Okay. You know that we got Morgane, Elven Archer, back in this shit, right? Okay. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. Um, Patrick Rothfuss's... Patrick Rothfuss's trilogy has really bent my mind in a knot. Well, it's really just Can two you books. Can call it a trilogy? I don't think so. <laughs> it's, it's a duology, at best. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love you, Pat. Um, I haven't encountered a book that played with storytelling like his narrative has before. What book have you read um, that has completely changed your image of a genre? Oh, that's, God, that's easy. Um, are you familiar with Gene Wolfe? Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's the literary equivalent of fetish gear. What's the book? Have I read it? Uh, I, this, you, you know how I sometimes try to push books on you? Yeah. I have never once tried to push a Gene Wolfe book on you. Wow. Never once. It's like, even I know that you don't want this. Jeez. You know what I mean? Imagine, imagine reading like a Bible from another culture, right? Okay. It's like I haven't made you read I haven't made you, I haven't pushed Dune on you for the same reason, right? No, you did, and I read it. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm, when I say push Dune, I mean there's like six of these motherfuckers. I don't oh, count no, that. Oh, no, I read the first one. Kevin Butler shit. Like, that ain't, that ain't happening. Ooh. <laughs> it got cold. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as far as uh, the book that would do it, it would be Book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe, which is actually like four books, and it seems like it's a fantasy story and you don't really understand that it's not a fantasy story until much, much later. Like, imagine, imagine if all the language you had to describe your world was medieval language. Everything that you saw would be interpreted in that context. Um, he has a lot of books that are about narrators that don't really understand the circumstances that they're in, that are just trying to understand them according to the tools they have. That's like his thing. Yeah, Later of the Mists is killer, too. I think for me, I read um, the Black Company series. Oh, that's very good. And Black Company is good. It's fantasy, but it's sort of from the bad guy point of view. Like, you have this mercenary group that ends up fighting for the villain, right? Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was a really interesting well, case. But yeah, but it's, you know what it is? It's like... I don't know, there probably is a term for it, but it's, it's like practical fantasy. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I, the, the guy who wrote it is this awesome old curmudgeon. Yeah. I, I aspire to be a curmudgeon <laughs> like this man is. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get there, right? I'm going to have a stick. Yeah, and it's like this military fantasy fiction. I don't know, it's really good. But no, I mean, imagine a situation where it's just like, in Star Wars, it's just like, wow, we, live, we sure live in a scary universe where, you know, every generation or so, space wizards fuck up the entire galaxy. But nobody ever comes out, really, except for like in the Karen Travis books, right? Karen was the only one 
who, who wrote from that perspective where it was like, these Jedi keep fucking shit up every couple years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, for everyone else in the galaxy. That's why, I was, that's why I enjoyed Rogue One. Well, I enjoyed Rogue One for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I really enjoyed it was that they just have to live in the hole. They have to live in the smoking crater these goddamn Jedi are put together. Yeah. Right? And it's the same situation here where these are soldiers. These are like, you know, frontline soldiers, you know, battle commanders who are just like fucking wizards. Yeah. Right? Because that's how it would actually be. It's like, God damn, these wizards. They're always doing wizard shit. And then we have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Then we have to pick up the pieces. Um, what is something you've seen, heard, read um, that you wanted more of but was never continued? Uh, it's ba- well, it's basically Firefly for everybody, right? I mean, I guess, I guess it was continued insofar as they made a, a movie that compressed, you know, seven seasons into an hour and a half or two. Um, but as, that's, that's probably the main one for me. I'm trying to think of something else. Yeah, I guess Firefly is the biggest one that jumps out to me. Um, Gets in your face. Yeah. Uh, they are finally going to make a Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm... I loved Kingdom Hearts 2, and I'm getting a little tired of the Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance Prologue 2.85. Da- like, I want a new Kingdom Hearts. But the resolutions have been increased. I'm ready for that. <laughs> increased. I don't know what that gesture means. I, I think now it might mean something I don't intend. Um, how do you stay so young and fresh? <laughs> pop, pop. Yeah, this is from Sarah in Medford. I'm not even sure this is a question in the classic sense. Um, I have looked. It's, it's funny. There is a dude who comes to the show, and uh, we had taken a picture with him uh, when he was at SMU Guildhall, because we'd come down here a thousand years ago to talk to students there. This was in 2004. You, you know the year? Uh, he wrote it on the picture. Oh. I was like, Michael, no. that's a lot like remembering that's not, something. That's not how I operate. Hey, man. All right. You got it. Nope. Don't you got it. it. All right. Um, I am, I think, pickled in alcohol. And... When I look at this old picture, he has it from SMU, and then he has pictures of us from each of the packs Souths, and I look exactly the goddamn same. Just like this Nosferatu sphere <laughs> that I have established as my brand. Just a vampire orb. It's um, really bizarre. You I've, have not changed I have always, 15 years. I have always looked exactly the same, and to the extent that I am frightened. Of it. I think it's going it no, to be the situation where it's like I hold and hold and hold and then that's it. It's like right up to the end that those casket pictures are going to be immaculate. First, are we recording? Uh, second, what have some of the cruelest office pranks, jokes, uh, attacks, uh, friendly or not bouts of contest been? Uh, 
Kiko like jokes, and so they really don't get played very often. Well, typically speaking, a person plays a joke on me one time, and then I respond like a lion or predatory cat would, like in a flip out in a, like a sub vocalization, like growl, uh, and then people say, "Oh, I guess that I guess that's not the sort of thing I should do." Um, about him. I think that there's, there's a lot of there's friendly rivalries in, in games, um, but generally speaking around the office, we've been pretty busy lately. When the very first DS came out, the PR package that came out with it included a, a white mannequin hand, I guess because you can touch it. I don't know. It was weird. I, yeah, um, why? Yeah, and so we've had this white mannequin hand, but we attached it to an extendable pole. And so a lot of times I walk around with this white hand on the end of like a six-foot pole, and I, I just sort of rub people with it. But, but, but I touch them in awkward places, because I'm not doing it. No. But, but occasion, occasionally you'll also rest it on the shoulder. Yeah, it's sort of like sort of a, put it on a shoulder, people freak out. But, 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 but it's weirdly assuring in a way. It's like, thanks, spectral hand. Yeah. You know what? I was having a rough day. Um, dear Jerry... If you were to divide your colleague, Mike Krahulik, into one million tiny pieces, I like where this is going, um, would those pieces be microhulics? Steven in England, that is not a question. But thank you. But punishing you would be inconvenient. Um, Mike and Jerry, that 20-year mark, I guess that's true. That 20-year mark is getting pretty close, my dudes. Got anything special planned? Got anything at all planned? Um, if you need ideas, don't hesitate to ask. We know you aren't great at the planning things business. <laughs> Uh, we're here to help. Whatever the plan is, you should include a giant bouncy castle. Uh, this is from uh, Ms. Williams. You know, at the last... In Kyle, Texas. I don't know, two or three of the... Every, every couple weeks we get together with everybody sort of in the design department at Penny Arcade and we talk about shirts and merchandise and what we want to make and that kind of thing. And I know for a fact that Lydia already has like 20 years on her mind in terms of what we're going to make, pins, shirts, like we're going to do it right. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that... I think It's that a big deal, like 20 years is crazy. 20 years of anything. Yeah. If anything could, be, could, you know, continue for 20... I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I've been here and it doesn't seem possible. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I know that the designers would have a lot of fun with that too. Oh. Hey, Mike and Jezza, this is... More for Jezza, uh, noting Mike's lack of alcohol consumption. So, do you know about Jezza? Does that make sense at all? Some might know it. it so, you, so it's like, you know how sometimes names get turned into nicknames? Like you have Michael, and then you have Mike. I think technically that's called a hypochorism. Um, but in this Ezza suffix... Did you clap for that word? <laughs> I told you, man, there's two teams out there. But the as a suffix 
comes in, and I mean, I've only been to Australia four times, and so I haven't figured out what the rules are for determining whether or not you get the as a suffix. I don't know if it's like an achievement, like if you accomplish something, it's bestowed upon you, like a knighthood. Like Dame Jerry Holkin. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyways, for, this is uh, for Jessa, which is me. One of the great things about PAX um, is that it's all ages and everyone can enjoy it, but as is often the case for my crew and I, we enjoy playing games while indulging in the occasional hoppy ale. Uh, is there any scope for a PAX After Dark? Or even a BYO Games tabletop area with a bar for people to <laughs> mingle, drink responsibly. I think uh, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully not feel too dusty to push on the next day. So this is more Australianisms. So if, if actually this is, a, this is an appropriate time. If you, if you have been out late with your friends in Australia, and you know that your friend is probably hungover, the polite thing to ask is, how did you pull up, mate? To which they will reply, a bit dusty. And I think that that means that they have a hangover. Um, I just know how I'm supposed to respond when someone asks, and I do so whether I've had anything to drink or not. I just want to be a part of something larger than myself. Um, you know, I actually had a drink. When? Uh, on the plane. So I, I thought that I was getting a first class seat because they said they were upgrading me to premium. But premium no. is just a new seat that's the same as the other seats, but apparently has two extra inches of legroom. Like the, the steward is like, how's that two extra inches? I couldn't fucking tell you. <laughs> uh, but what you do get is free alcohol. So I'm like, well, if that's the only goddamn perk, I might as well take advantage of it. So I did, I had, I had a vodka and cranberry. For like, I mean, that's like the, the one drink I will probably have this year. Vodka cran? Yeah. I did, it actually made the flight very pleasant. <laughs> I can see why people would drink. And then last night I was running my, I was running Thornwalk. And then last night I robbed a liquor store. <laughs> I drank until I blacked out, no. I, I was running a game of Thornwatch for a group of, of friends, and they all played in a game together that they called uh, Dungeons, Dragons, and Drunks, which I thought was very funny. Oh, that's killer. Um, Morak. Ah. Uh, that's, it's actually Mike. I, I, I modified it. I, I remixed it in real time. Um, in a podcast within the last year, you said that you hated the Hobbit movies. But in a podcast right after Desolation of Smog was released, you said that he would enjoy it as a fun fantasy movie. What changed? What was the last, was the last one so bad that it retroactively lowered your opinion of the first two? I have no memory of that saying that. Uh, I did think that the last one was kind of fun. I really hated the barrel scene in the river. The barrel scene is the only good thing about the entire three movies. So they could have easily just played yakety sax during that entire scene. <laughs> and it would have, I think, had the same emotional punch. No, because I remember coming into the office and being like, that barrel scene, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were like, what are oh. you fucking talking about? No, it was like a Three Stooges episode. Ah, <laughs> it totally, I don't know. I, that drove me wild with desire. Um, oh man, this, this one even starts out good. Tycho is so handsome and heroic and knowledgeable on all things. 
From Jerry Holkins in Seattle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jerry Holkins in Seattle, Washington. Does it ever become difficult for you to write uh, for him, draw for him, uh, given that you are mere JPEG pushers? Um, what? Yeah. I don't understand the question. Yeah, it's, it's parsed in a strange way. Um, I think it's about, is it hard for me to endure you? And it's not. Um, Thanks. <laughs> uh, I, I, I try to be easy to endure. That's about the most I can offer someone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, as with any product, there's going to be a bullet point list. Yeah. Not for, difficult to endure. No, 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 no. That's too much. <laughs> Endurable. Endurable. Yeah. That's on the side of my no, box. No, but there should be a couple more bullet points, but no text. Yeah. Um, you two have worked together for so long, you must know each other pretty well. If you wanted to secretly assassinate the other, how would you do oh it? Oh, my God. It would be so easy. Scorpion inside the Oreo bag. Done. I'm dead. All You'd I would tear that shit open, and you would, you would put the scorpion in your mouth. I would dunk it in milk. <laughs> no, 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 from the tail. Yeah, I would hold the, the, the tail. like, what the fuck? I wouldn't even notice the pain as it pinched me over and over again, just stinging me violently. I'd be like, I guess this is a, a, a hurdy Oreo. <laughs> no, I would, at a PAX, Arachnorios. deliver an unmarked container of jerky to you that was full of poison. You will eat any goddamn thing a fan brings to you. Oh, and I have. I can, I have, I will. Yeah. I will continue to. It would be so easy to poison you. Yeah. I understand, like, even if someone didn't want to kill you and just wanted to fuck with you, like, and they just, like, covered it in laxatives or something, like, <sighs> you have no idea what you're eating. Doesn't bother you at all. Well, no, I'll tell you why, man. It's the same. So it's like you were talking yesterday about how if you go to a comic, you don't look at the words at all. Why would I? <laughs> same. Same. It's like I can, I, can, I can sense at some level that calories are in this object, and I know exactly what to do with those. It's just one thing. Um, Please don't poison him. <laughs> I'm begging you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Listen, don't take that from me. I want to kill him on my own. Um, <laughs> modification. Oh, hey, we got the uh, metagame going. Modifier. From Chris in Huntsville. Answer the next question uh, as your compatriot. Answer the question as they would answer while doing your best impression of them. The scary part is that if you don't know us well, I feel like we have sort of regressed to almost a single verbal tone in some cases. A lot of times when we used to do uh, interviews, like on the phone and stuff, people would attribute quotes, you know, they would, they would mix them up because on the phone, we have the exact same cadence, we sound the same. Yeah, we, we're, we're slowly becoming one creature. <laughs> um, when can we expect another Twisp and Catsby comic? Oh, wow, I loved In the Service of the Queen so much. Yes, that did turn out cool. That, that was like the first time we ever like we made that for the boys, right? We did, yeah. Yeah. Dedicated to our kids. Indeed. Um, I, love, I, I love Service of the Queen so much, I have the prince hanging on my wall. Uh, and I'm hoping I'll have another to add. I, I have the same prince actually hanging on my wall. Um, P.S. Sorry in advance when someone eventually 
asks you guys to hug it out on stage in their defense. It's pretty fucking hilarious. Oh, hey, uh, PPS, the best barbecue in Texas, um, is Black's in Lockhart. Not too, yeah, is that, is that the stuff? Um, not too far from SA. It's become our PAX tradition. This is from Nikki uh, in College Station, Texas. Uh, maybe you pronounce, is it, maybe you probably pronounce it a different way or is it College Station? Okay, thank God. You, you come, you come back from, you come back from Oz and it's like every town looks like you would be able to read it, but you can't. You can't. Every, every, every word, every letter is conspiring against you. You know, we haven't done a Twistman Caspi comic in a long time, and I, I think it's just because we haven't, uh, we haven't like put it on the on the list. But we could easily do it. I think we always want to. Yeah, let's let's plan to do one. Okay, Nikki from College Station, we will make you something else that you can put on your wall. No problem. No problem. <clears throat> Mike and Jerry, you are well known for your love of science fiction and fantasy. My question is this, have either of you ever explored the A-plus franchise that is Stargate? It is expansive as fuck and really, really good. One of my favorites. Uh, this is the, from the Prior of the Ori uh, from the Plains of Celestis, which is probably some Stargate shit. <laughs> That's my guess. Um, it's funny, like, I only know Stargate from two things. I know Stargate Universe, and I really love Stargate Universe, but everybody says that Stargate Universe is like the worst Stargate. Right? It's, I, guess it's, I guess it's the worst. But So if I loved the worst one, I must be in for a goddamn treat. Um, um, but I also, there was a Stargate, Sony put out like a Stargate collectible card game like 10 years ago or more. And I was completely obsessed with it even though I didn't know who any of these people were. That's like, that's my only connection to that franchise in any way, except for the worst show uh, in the franchise. Um, Mud Crab Crawl Space and Cherry 7-Up. I'll leave that to you. I don't know. You're working hard there. Well, yeah, but see, they call themselves Silly Name and they've put location as their town because they know I would find them. Um, some of the first 15 episodes are so good. I desperately want you to return to the game. Have you considered a semi-regular long play series? Full-length Let's Plays from the two of you would be hilarious. Uh, and would probably garner more views, I'm just saying. Uh, thanks for a great show. Well, actually, so Josh is our video producer dude. He does a lot of stuff, but he's really taken up the, the mantle of producer at Penny Arcade. Uh, he just has a lot of passion for it, and I absorb some of that passion um, for those projects. So his idea for the first 15s now is actually to stream doing two first 15s, and then we just choose whichever one that we liked best and then continue to play that for a while. Um, and I feel like that's, that's a good middle step onto this. But coming back to something, if we found something really special uh, in that, I think coming back to it for a longer play would be really, really good. I mean, it's a, some of the stuff we play is just weird, and I'm excited, right? I, just, I, I like that kind of stuff. But I think, that, I think that there's probably some meat on them bones. Um, Jerry, has the 14-year-old girl in your neighborhood successfully convinced you to return to Undertale yet? If so, what did you think? If not, why not? Girls are always right, and that's a fact. <laughs> I get, maybe that's their name. Maybe girls are always right is their name, because there's no name on there. Um, yeah, yeah, that's Clara, 
and she is always pushing her Undertale drugs on me. Um, I would, I just, I've been super busy at work, but I would definitely jump back in. I need to, I need to play that solo. I don't think that's a game I can play with Mike. You. I think that has to be something that I do. I mean, the characters are named after fonts. You'd think it would be, you know, Jerry is shit. Yeah. You'd think it would be my jam. Um, I actually, it was really, it was weird because we had done a comic about that. And then the creator of Undertale wrote me and said, you know, it's really weird to have you guys, to, to make something and then to have it be the thing that everybody has to have an opinion on, right? And I was like, and I, I talked to him for a little while about it, and I said, club. right? I, I said, yeah, right. And I said, you know, I think that a big part of it, I think that a big part of it is just generational, which is where, you know, if, if you are from my generation, he's being totally legit. Like, his heart is completely on his sleeve. He means absolutely everything that he is saying inside that game. But tonally, if you are my age, it looks disingenuous. I know for a fact it's not, because I talked to him about it. I know it's legit. He means every word of it. But it's a perceptual issue that I have to work through, and I think that I can do it with Undertale. Um, both of you have said that you felt some trepidation towards having kids. Um, how were your wives able to convince you that being fathers would enrich your lives rather than destroy them? Uh, this is from Blairance in Idaho. Well, Blairance in Idaho, let me tell you about marriage. <laughs> uh, we had one child. We had one child, and I said, this is a lot of children. This is a good number of children. Let's, Maybe enough. Let's, let's, let's stick with this one. This is, a, this is a good one, but he's, this is rough. He's, this is a lot of hard work. Um, we might occasionally want to do things that are not related to this organism. Um, maybe, that, maybe, maybe that's how we should get down on this. And uh, she's like, hey, let's go out. Uh, let's go out for lunch and talk about it. And I said, okay. Assuming that there was a, any possible universe in which my rhetoric would be absorbed or even recognized as valuable. Um, she ordered me a shake, and she said, we're having another child. That's, so sometimes that's how it works. Um, but the reality is that I was wrong, right? I, I, I could not have imagined a universe that included a girl like Ronya before she was real. Jesus Christ, I'm going to get fucked up. I didn't know about it, and I was wrong, and she was right. That's how that story ends. If your life was a cross between two Nicolas Cage movies, what would it be? Face-off? Um, it would be face-off and adaptation. Okay. Got him. Got him. Do you want to do one, or are you good? You going to work on the comic? Is that clock right? I think so. Then I need to work on this comic. Okay. Trenches. It has an exclamation point. I had to do it that way. Um, I have needs, cravings, if you will. Um, are you able to offer any sustenance? I hear Ty is AWOL. 
Uh, but Monaco is still alive. Maybe? <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> Maybe? Uh, perhaps it's time you gave Lexi that job she keeps applying for. Uh, this is from Hank uh, in seat G70. Um, yeah, I just, I, we'd lost contact with Ty. Uh, we had talked about how the final arc is supposed to go, and it was written, and I, I liked it. I thought it was a cool way to close it out. It had a cool meta beat, um, and then nothing else ever came in. Um, so when we, when we do a, a new site, that uh, trenches section will probably disappear, and something else will be added. Ooh. Uh, dear Mike and Jerry, uh, is there any possibility of the Acquisitions Incorporated crew doing a live-action Thornwatch playthrough? Uh, there seem to be rich character parallels. Uh, for example, Binwin is Guard, Omen is Greenheart, Viaria is Blade. Man, this motherfucker knows his shit. Um, Jim is a Sage or Briarlock, depending on how evil he's feeling. <laughs> how do you think it would go? We'd all love to watch that podcast. Um, also, what would be the odds of Wizards of the Coast delivering a precision orbital strike as a preventive measure? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we could do that. I know the guy that made it. Yeah? Yeah. Do you, do you think that we'd be able to secure the license? I think we could swing it. All right. Well, you, listen, you, you get in contact with yourself. Oh, whatever happened to James Vanderbeek? Um, is there a new avian visitor to your window? Or is there a new avian visitor to your window? Or have you purchased Burt's for the office to keep Jerry's creative juices flowing? Uh, it would be kind of cool to have a bird in a cage, obviously, in the office. Right. Or we could hire a large bipedal bird um, yeah. to perform bird things. Right? Uh, this is from Jeremy in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, yeah, so I used, to have, I used to have this robin that would come hang out on my windowsill all the time. And I thought that he was coming to hang out with me. And I, that's no reason to believe that. He's a bird. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And, but every time he would show up, for some reason, I would write raps for him. Do you remember any of them? Well, no, I would write raps for him, but I would also write raps as him. I would write raps from a, from a bird's perspective. And th th so he became, he was James Vanderbeek just because he was hanging out. He had, he had a silky ass coat. Um, and eventually he became MCVDB. And... Uh, and then he stopped going, but then Jeff said that he would come over and hang out at his windowsill, and that's when I realized that we were not exclusive. Um, I know. And obviously that hurt. Um, but the thing with, the, I guess that he was coming to the windowsill just to eat spiders, and then uh, when all the spiders were gone, then he, he, didn't, he stopped coming by. And it actually, it, it hurts way more than it should. Uh, I, have a, I have a lot of affection for this bird that is completely unidirectional. Um, Mike and Jerry, when are you going to admit that the last comic of Penny Arcade is going to be Gabe and Tycho getting transported and trapped in their favorite video <laughs> games? Uh, this is from Jason W. in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, you know, I had not considered that previous. That is not the last strip. Well, it's not the last strip, but I think that the last strip that we had planned might not even work anymore. Why not? Because it's rude and mean. No, it's not. You don't think so? I don't think so. All right. Well, when it comes out and people are like, that was rude and mean, 
I just want you to remember this conversation. I'll take you out to dinner. All right. You, take, you buy me a shake. You'll buy me a shake and say we're having a child. Yeah. Um, if, the two of you, <laughs> if the two of you had never met each other, what do you imagine your life would be like now? Uh, this is from Morgan in Houston. Houston represent. Um, so, I mean, it's, you can sort of project it, right? You would have sold insurance for Sears for large appliances? Well, I mean, I would have worked at Circuit City, I assume, until they went out of business. And then maybe jumped over to Best Buy? Like, I would have tried to transfer those skills? Dude, <laughs> uh, dude you, listen, you, it's a fate worse than motherfucking death. You know where you end up where? in that timeline? Where? Geek Squad. Oh. No, because I couldn't fix this shit. I could only Neither sell it. can they. It's fair. You're a shoe-in. You're a shoe-in. The shoe is in. No, you think, I think right. you're right. Um, I, you know, back, back then before we started doing this stuff, I was doing IT for something like 56, 57 schools in um, Spokane. Uh, yeah, exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, I, um, and I, I remember liking it, but if I ever talk to anyone who knew me at that time, they say, no, you did not like it. So I, as is so often the case, I think there's just parts of my life that I can't remember 100%. Um, I think I, I, I came back enraged, right? I don't know. I remember you having good days and bad days. I, I, you definitely liked the money. So you made, for Spokane, and being as, like, as young as we were at the time, like, IT paid you really well. It was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy pants. Um, yeah, I had, a, I, had a good, I had a good thing going there. I probably would have kept doing it but the, the best part about it was actually talking to people who are like, thank you for fixing my computer. Will you come to my house and fix my house computer? So I was working, I mean, I was working the full day at work and then I would come back home at like nine or 10 because typically I had like consulting to do at people's houses. But fixing computers for people, like computers must seem so, like obviously we get a lot of this stuff, right? There's this, we instinctively know it. Like, we need to make sure that it works so that we can play games. Like, we have a lot of, of information and knowledge about it. And not everybody does. And helping people fix their, their shit was, felt really good. And I often, you know, I liked, I liked money, obviously. I'm an enthusiast. I think that's not a secret. Um, but I would often work for, I mean, I worked for root beer. I remember that, yeah. Like, I would come back with root beer. Right, and then I met. There was this. There was this lady whose son was like worked for a beer distributor, and so sometimes I would fix his printer, and then he would he would give me like a ton of beer, which is for me the same as money, because I was just going to get the money and buy beer. It saves you a step. It just it saves me a, a bunch of fucking time. <laughs> oh, it's the text. I'm as red and hard as a cedar mast. Um, would you mind, oh hey, would you mind reciting this short Ironwood poem? I found it in my head recently and I think it might be your fault. Uh, many thanks to you and Mike for coming up uh, with a world for us to visit. This is some spooky shit. I wrote the, I wrote the first two lines. Good Christ. All right, this is, this is the hardcore. Are you ready? Brace yourselves. Grip, 
grip the arms of your seat. Prepare yourself to travel into the Ironwood. I really want to make a folk metal band called Ironwood. I'll, I'll get back to that. Uh, daughter, daughter killed her father. Look at what her blood has bought her. Now, I, I wrote that part, but then he gets sick with it. Daughter dear forsook her mother, rent her sister, tore her brother. Daughter fresh as leaf in spring, pretty flowers in a ring. Daughter tried to pluck her flowers. Daughter's blood will run for hours. Daughter needs not iron nor fire. Daughter truthful, daughter liar. Daughter angry, daughter judging. Daughter generous or grudging. Daughter laughing, full of smile. Step into the grove a while. Daughter leads a merry dance. Her lover's bones will feed the plants. Jesus! That's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Honestly, I really like that. That's super good, dude. Um, yeah. Oh, a little cowboy hat on the, on the hot dog? On it. Cowboy hat dog. Uh, ten years ago, uh, Jerry sang his ballad, My Bell Rell, on the packed stage during one of these very Q&A sessions. Have there been any more songs written to further tell this love story between a man and his D&D &D character? Uh, yes. Uh, like I said, there's, there's five other songs. There's, there's My Bell Rell, and then there's, there's a, another one called... In fact, one of them became a poem in um, Lex Caliber. Um, there's a song called uh, Soldier's Lullaby that is sort of about like the character that takes care of Bellarwell like as a ward. Do you know it? Can you recite it? I know part of it. Let's see. Um, I know the last verse. Um, oh, the last verse. Yeah. My horses are weary, child, I'm weary too. For making this world a place worthy of you. What is your bidding, child? What must I do to sleep? To sleep. Right. No, this. Yeah. That's like, that's like what I do. That's, like, that's my version of sketching, right? You don't do it very often, though. I feel like you should sing more. Maybe. I'll look into it. I know that would please Dave. Um, we never did get the full explanation from Chris Perkins. Does the character of Drist belong to Bob, to Bob Salvatore as the author or to Wizards of the Coast? Because if it's the former, it's very surprising that no hitmen have been dispatched to revenge the terrible, terrible liberties you have taken. If you don't know offhand, please tell Chris to tell us at the next Acquisitions Incorporated event, either before or after he sends you all to your doom. Um, I, think, I, think that Chris, I think that Chris and Bob are probably friends. I think he got permission. I mean, I don't think it's canonical that we actually had possession of Guinevar or whatever for a while. Right, right. Or we're in any imaginable universe able to stop Drist in any way. Right. Right. I think I think that's the I think that's the D and D equivalent of fan fiction. Um, do either of you read print or newsstand comics? 
Um, if so, are there any particular storylines, authors, or artists that you follow closely? Um, if I may make a suggestion, the recently introduced Black Monday murders are a great combination of occult story and noir art style. All right. Black Monday murders? Uh, okay, so it's rare. It sounds like... It sounds like... We're getting it, on the ground floor. Are, do you make Black Monday murders? Is that, <laughs> is that what it is? Um, no. I, I, in terms of newsstand comics, um, I read... Uh, I actually really like Get Fuzzy. I think Get Fuzzy is pretty good. I read that with Elliot all the time. That's like a daddy-son type thing. Um, but generally speaking, making comics... Um, I definitely... I mean, I, I'm a, making comics takes up so much of your time. Uh, that it, 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 making comics actually makes it hard to read comics. There's something specific about it, right? Yeah, I, uh, I used to read comic books, um, like in high school when I was a kid. I read a lot of, I read the Garfield books. That was really what got me into wanting to be sort of a cartoonist. With well, your first, your first comics, like you showed them to me when we were much younger, like your first comic was like a, a version of Garfield, Garfield, right? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of cartoonists my age probably have that Garfield-ish strip, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really read comics anymore. My, if I have free time, I want to play games. Right. You know? Um, Jorwegian Gahulio. I uh, tried VR recently for the first time. I am told it was the weakest version being PlayStation VR. And yet after I emerged from the experience, I had confusing feelings about this world, the actual one, no longer seeming real. I looked at my hands, the way they moved, and I had difficulty readjusting to their nature. I imagine uh, much like someone who has toked it up might. Um, obviously, I have never used drugs. Um, but I have talked to those who have excessive experience um, with it. And honestly, you take off the helmet and it all looks the same. It's actually much easier to transfer. Um, it made me feel like we are finally in the future of gaming after being promised it for so long, that we are on the verge of a new age. I wonder how we will deal with this drug-like escapism capabilities as a society. Um, how to get a disappointed people interested in, preferably a different kind of politics again, when they can just check out. Your thoughts, Frank, your green boy, uh, Itergem in non-evil Belgium. Um, I don't have any ideas about how Belgium is, so that's not, that's not necessary. Um, yeah, there, it would not be hard to find um, stories of a science fictional nature uh, about an entire society disappearing into VR. I mean, I think that, I mean, that's basically what the Matrix is about. I mean, bare minimum, right? It's a, basically everyone lives in VR and then, you know, but, but you have to be able to afford the VR stuff, I guess. So you have to leave the house, I guess, for long enough to afford the VR stuff. Well, until you can just do your job in VR, until we get to like a snow crash level, right? Okay, no, yeah, you, you broke that one right over your knee. So you just go, oh, I'm going to work. Right, right. The problem is people like me who are made ill by VR. Like, we're oh. not going to survive this brave new world. No, no, exactly. You'll, you'll be separated into an underclass your job will be to make, will be to manufacture VR equipment for the rest of society. <laughs> I'll just be in a factory all day putting screens into headsets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Comics done. Yeah. Oh, it is. Let's take a look at it. 
like oh, You guys have another screen, don't you? Oh, yeah, you guys can see it totally fine. I didn't know that was there. <laughs> From back there, you can't see it at all. I was like, please put it up on the screen. All right. I'll be a part of this for the last couple minutes here. Yeah. I'll check uh, in. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that there's definitely something, there's a case to be made there um, about a, a dark world um, in which people do get there. But there's always, always going to be that you know, underclass of people that can't do it. And we'll have you keep to saying underclass. <laughs> I don't... But we're going to have to rely on them uh, for revolution. Right. Yeah, we're going to rise up. And it's going to be easy because you guys will just be sitting in your rooms. You won't even know we're sneaking up behind you with bats. Or whatever you want. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear more stories about your kids. Uh, what kinds of things do they like to create? This is from Noel in Austin. Uh, my oldest son, Gabe, is working on a new game. You might remember he made a game called Lost Lands. Lost Lands. We played on a podcast, actually. He has a new game that doesn't have a title yet, but it's, there's, uh, the map is made up of, uh, it's like a spaceship that has all these different rooms to it, and you play down effects that happen in each room, and then you play uh, as a group of astronauts who have to move around the ship and it's manage the co-op game? Yeah, you play against space, basically. You're trying to keep your ship running as you travel to There's Mars. There's a lot of mobile games like that. Yeah. Like that's, a, that's a genre. So, you know, it's great because he'll be like, Dad, I need to go to Michael's and buy poster board so I can make my game board. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, get in the car. Yeah. But that's, but that's the weird thing, right, is that the, world that the world that they're growing up in, like the world that they're going to create is based on ours. Right. Right? They're starting from Minecraft, yeah, that's the thing. Trying to get him that's to That's the ground fucking floor for this generation. If you can't modify the rules or the environment of a game, he's not interested. Like, he loves to play Overwatch, but him and his friends create custom games, which I never even thought to do, right? But they make their own games where it's like, okay, ult you know, we have super quick cooldowns on Ultimates, or, you know, there's only one of... Like, they make up all their own little... Their own games. What's Remix, right? Yeah, I, it, that just doesn't even occur to me. But I think it all comes from Minecraft. <clears throat> my... It's really interesting. My... My son... So we're, we're all familiar with Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, right? So he had seen a video. Like, I, I would... I would let him play it if he was older, but... I, 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 this, I did not authorize him to play it at all. But he had seen a YouTube video of it, and it basically kept him awake for weeks. Scary as hell, like yeah. It, 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 it messed him up. Um, it messed him up until he got the idea to tell the story in a different way. Okay. To tell the story in a way that was, like, personally empowering, which was a, a tool concept I had never even considered. Yeah. So he made up, he calls it live action role play. Like, he made this term up. He didn't know it was a real thing. <laughs> right? He's like, yeah, because I hear him in his room, and I'm like, son, you need to go to bed. And he's like, dad, I'm live action role playing uh, tonight. Well, you I, can I, stay up for another 30 yeah. minutes he's then, like, son. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I have to defeat the puppet master. And it's just like, Cree. like <laughs> you know what I mean? But so the, he basically creates games as like personal therapy. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's like, that's a, that's a good tool. Yeah. How many licks does it take you? 
I'm just going to let it hit the hang there for a second. Because <laughs> the actual question's only okay. How many licks does it take you to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Never measured it. Really don't know. Really? No, that's, that's not something I've sat down and, <laughs> and tried to figure out. No, see, for me, it's like the owl waits to like the third lick. And he crunches. Yeah, I, I start there. I'm actually not a fan of the Tootsie Pop. I ante with the tooth. Wow. What do you mean? That's not good for your teeth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it turned out okay. Uh, Jerry, I actually hate Tootsie Roll. Well, no, I was going to say. I don't know what. It's not chocolate. No, no, but I don't see, know what that material is. No, no, but you've referred to this before. Like, your term for that material is Tootsie. I don't know what else it is. It's just Tootsie. Well, so, in your mind, it's like the duality of Tootsie and Pop. You know, well, what it, else is it? You have a Tootsie Roll. It's obviously a roll of Tootsie. <laughs> they've taken Tootsie. They've rolled it up. In some cases, they fill a pop with Tootsie. But, I mean, from, but, but hang on a second. So from your perspective, the Tootsie, like a Tootsie Roll, that's gross. A Tootsie Roll is nothing but Tootsie. It's disgusting. Yeah, exactly. So for you, the optimal scenario is a Tootsie Pop, where at least the Tootsie's been ensconced. I stop when I get to the Tootsie. That's how I know to quit. Yeah. I hit Tootsie and I'm, I throw it in the garbage. <laughs> All I want is the pop. But, but it seems to me like the best case scenario is to buy a Tootsie Pop and then just throw it away. Because you, then you know it's safe. Like you know it's... I just eat like suckers. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Just a pop. No Tootsie necessary. Did that tickle you? In, Mike, in your current drawing style, Gabe is portrayed somewhat goofier than he has been in the past, both in appearance and in personality. How would a present-day Gabe look like as the cardboard tube samurai? Ooh. Ooh. I got is, six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, is at least a sketch something that we can see in the near future? Eric from L.A., the future is now. <laughs> it's now. All right. Uh, what has changed most around the office since Robert left? I think the main thing is that uh, some jobs have shifted around, and there were people who I think in the, in the old structure had a lot to offer, but we had a full structure of support and relationships uh, that made the business function. In the new structure, there's, there's more for those people to do, and um, we've, seen some, we've seen some incredible stepping up, honestly. Uh, Subway versus Quiznos, Dan in New Jersey. Is it Quiznos? Uh, I guess. They're, they're toasty? Is that the, that's the main distinguishing characteristic? I don't mind Subway. I know most people think it's garbage, but it's just a sandwich. I, like, I don't need it to be amazing. I just need some bread and some turkey. <laughs> they deliver that. <laughs> What's funny is, like, we keep finding these sandwich places, and then Kara discovers that the owner of them, like, is a pedophile or likes to hunt wild lions or, like, I can't go to any sandwich places anymore. <laughs> There's just, there's just something about the sandwich place. I don't place. know what it is about the sandwich. <laughs> it just attracts deviance. 
what do you feel is the greatest impact video games can make in today's crazy mixed up world? Feeling charities like Child's Play as art giving players unique exposure to difficult and hard to reach topics like depression, death, and war. As a masturbatory soma to quell a ballooning population of pleasure seekers while both private interest and government abuse and government abuse any entity uh, unable to defend itself and pave the way to apocalypse or something else. <laughs> uh, this is from Sean in Portland. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a tool. It's like saying, what's the, what, what's the most important thing you can do with a hammer? There's all kinds of things that you can do with hammers, is the truth. Um, I'll say that the, you know, the child's play, uh, a big part of the child's play mission right now is trying to determine uh, and empower hospital partners to determine what best practices are for VR as a therapeutic uh, avenue. And I think that that is ultimately going to require custom experiences that allow people to, that basically create a therapeutic space that is virtual. Um, that's the thing that excites me the most about it. Like, I, I obviously enjoy video games. I play them all the time. I like all kinds of games. But I feel like the, the therapeutic, like the healing aspects uh, of VR is a really, really interesting space to investigate, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Um, Gab. Yeah. How has Tycho's spoken language evolved through the years since you first met and lived together until today? Can you remember any specific event that changed his vocabulary forever? You guys are the best. Uh, this is from always Guillermo. Always been this way. Yeah. Yeah, you've always you've always been this way. As far back as I can remember, knowing you, even in high school, you spoke in a way that was aggressive towards other people's understanding of what you were trying to say. Like, you you say what you want to say, and it's up to other people to try to parse that shit. It's never been easy. Uh, well, no, and, but, but you've talked to Elliot, right? Oh, my God, yeah. I was, because I goof around with kids, and so Elliot was in the office, and I'm like, what was he drinking? He was, like, drinking some fruit punch or something. Yeah. And I was like, God, what did I say to him? I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's got, oh God, I said, it's got some kind of poison or something in it. I was just goofing around with him. He was like, well, let's check the nutritional facts on the back of the box. <laughs> it's like, that's my I'm boy. fucking with you. My boy will be much harder to poison than me. Oh, yeah. That's the next generation. Uh, I think we've got time for one more question. <clears throat> oh, ho, ho. Will there, be, will there ever be a chandelier poster, shirt, pin, or any other merch item with the ornate transportation mode of choice? Uh, I am actually going to talk to Pat today um, about what kind of Viari merchandise we can put together. And I expect chandeliers to feature prominently uh, on these devices. Imagine a foam finger where you put your hand into it and it's a hand grasping a chandelier. Imagine waving it at an Acquisitions Incorporated game. That's the world I want to live in. There's a little CTS. Thank you guys very much. Pack South. When I cast the pot, it's like I cast the rod Giving it odd like a motherfucker gas robot I'm really caught, today's fresh catch I mean a podcast 
something about nets. Yes, it gets better when that sweater I'm fettered by my fish gear. Catch and release, get in that crease when my fish near. Talk about a plant best laid off that stray. And yes, I crave that tuna with his peck fins blade. But while I'm glistening from the whole sea, you better listen into TLC. I got that, I got that wild caught salmon. It's tender and it's moist. Downloadable content, a podcast of choice. Jesus.